Come gather round the campfire and hear our ghostly tales of chilling terrors, darkest woes, and anything that goes bump in the night. So cuddle up with your best friend or dare it alone. The darkness is closing in and spirits are calling your name. This is Fireside Phantoms. It's early. Yes, and I was thinking long and hard about a mucus seal. I know. Can you fill me in more about what that is? You just briefly said you had a mucus seal. I had a what, mu- what exactly <laughs> is that? I think that's what they called it. Um, maybe I should Google that and confirm. Um, I had a, like a, it was something on the inside of my lip that they said was a damage cause when I bit it or something and it caused like a boil like thing to form oh my god you're biting your lip i bite my lip all the time oh you don't do that no why pray tell don't you (laughs) i i'm not a vampire no (laughs) um even though some people think i am i like to self eat self yeah okay (laughs) self nurture self cannibalize (laughs) (laughs) Oh god. yeah um so i had that removed uh almost a week ago Excellent. And it, it, it kind of was, my lip was tender and it got a little bit swollen and bruised. And so. Kind of like a night of passionate. Yeah. Kissing. I tried to, I try to blame it on the rock and say, oh, look, God. he did this to me. But yeah, nobody. I was going to go there. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I'm being beaten. Look. And they'd be like, no, it looks like you just had a mucus seal removed. Oh, <laughs> well, now that lovely introduction to yeah. our story. Yeah. That's a good setup for today's grim story. Is there um, any self-eating and cannibalism in there's this? There's not. Oh. But uh, that does lead me to the fact that I'm going to put a disclaimer here. This is a very gory story. It's a Blatantly you rhymed. A, it, yeah, thank you. It's blatantly a horror story. So listener discretion is advised. If you've got kids listening, maybe you don't want them to. Um, Twelve a, on up, it's okay. Yeah, it's no. a, it's a dark it's a dark, bloody, gory story. And when I read it in the Grim Fairy Tales book, I was like, damn, these poor kids when they were growing up back in the day reading these stories <laughs> i mean they dark. really knew how to scare their I children mean, yeah. straight you know yeah i mean there was probably a lot less crime back in those days because you know the <laughs> kids were just totally freaked out all the time but yeah um it's a it's a really dark story but you know we're putting our own spin to these stories that's right so i added in um not i mean i didn't actually add in anything i just changed some of the names um of the characters to protect the characters identities actually they don't (laughs) actually name any of the characters names i don't believe no they don't typically do that they don't and this story is called the fitcher's bird and i think the only reason it's called fitcher's bird is because i guess the main character is fitcher but they never say that implicitly. So hmm. I'm doing the Fitcher's Bird, Grim Fairy Tale Fitcher's Bird is what I'm trying to say. In my own voice with my own spin. Okay. So Excellent. you're ready? And Carol has agreed to read numerous characters in my story. For of me which today. I just got the script. She just <laughs> got the script. I like her to not be prepared whatsoever. So same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're such good friends. Yeah. We're like that. <laughs> I'm going to just attack you. You don't even know the things <laughs> I'm going to make you say. Okay. So here we go. Without further ado, Grimm's fairy tale, Fitcher's Bird.
Once there was a man who lived in fairy tale land who liked the ladies. Oh, yeah. But he was creepy. Unfortunately, he liked to watch them from afar, peep at them through windows, and follow them through the woods at night. Many beautiful maidens had disappeared after they were seen talking to him, but he was handsome, charismatic, smart, and charming, so the people of fairy tale land never suspected him of any wrongdoing. His name was Ted. Ted Bundy. A nice touch, Holly. Thank you. The townspeople all thought he seemed like a nice guy. Then one day, Ted was out doing his usual lurking around when he saw a beautiful lass with short, dark, curly hair. Like me. Rosy cheeks. You like you. Wearing a stiff collared jacket, mini skirt with lots of bracelets up and down her arm. He was immediately smitten and followed her until he saw her enter into one of the homes in town. He figured that is where the maiden lived, and of course he must meet her, for her beauty was just too stunning for him to let her slip through his creepy fingers. Ted put on a fake cast over his arm and approached her door. The beautiful girl opened it. Yes? She asked. Excuse me, miss. I was wondering if you could help me. You see, I have a heavy chest that I need help lifting, and my arm, the way it is, I certainly cannot do it myself. Could you help me load this chest into the trunk of my car over there? Ted pointed at his light yellow VW bug parked in front of the house. Hmm, well... The beautiful girl said. She looked behind her into the dark and quiet house. I suppose it would be all right. And with that, she followed Ted out to his car. He popped the trunk and the two of them lifted the chest into the car. Next to the chest sat a woven basket with a lid that attached on top. Do you want to see what's in my basket? Ted asked. What is it? asked the girl. Ted smiled at her with a megawatt smile that made all the girls swoon. The girl blushed and looked down at her feet, batting her eyes and feeling her body turn flush. Check it out, he said, unlatching the lid and opening it. The girl looked at him skeptically, but then decided to appease him. She moved in front of the basket, rose up on her tippy toes, and peeked inside. Just as soon as her back was to him, Ted pulled a syringe out of his fake cast and plunged it into the girl's neck, injecting her with a purple fluid. Before she even knew what hit her, the girl was passing out and falling into Ted's arms. He quickly scooped her up and placed her inside of the woven basket and then secured the lid on top. He quickly looked around to make sure he had not been seen and got into his car. It's all too easy, Ted said. You see, Ted was a master at abducting beautiful girls from fairy tale land. No one ever seemed to be paying any attention, which allowed for Ted to do things like this out in broad daylight. Soon Ted was on his way home, driving through the streets of town and eventually out deep into the woods. He finally arrived at his cabin. It was dark and the crickets were chirping. He slipped the fake cast off his arm and threw it in the back seat. Then he got out of the car and popped the trunk open. He picked up the woven basket and carried it into the house. He opened the lid of the basket and turned it upside down, spilling the human contents onto the floor. The thud of her body hitting the floor caused the beautiful girl to wake up. She slowly opened her eyes and rubbed her head. Where, where am I? She asked. She looked up to see Ted standing in front of her. What's your name? He asked. Huh? I said, what is your name? Gloria. Uh, Gloria Estefan. Well, Gloria, said Ted, welcome to your new home. Gloria looked around. New home, she said. 
Yes, hear me out, Gloria, said Ted. I would like you to live here with me, be my wife, and share my home. You see, Gloria, I am a wizard. I make magic. Look around you. I can offer you all the things you could ever want. And with that, Gloria looked around the house. Ted was right. The house was filled with everything she could possibly ever want. The house was huge. It had a gourmet chef kitchen that included a pantry filled with delicious foods, double ovens, a margarita machine, and a massive glass refrigerator. The living room had shag carpeting, lava lamps, a hammock chair swing, a primo stereo with surround sound, and a built-in karaoke, and a dance floor complete with a disco ball. Gloria was in awe. She then traveled by zip line from the living room to the back deck, where she found a hot tub with sunset views and a forest filled with woodland creatures. She then took the fireman's pole to the bedroom. At her feet played a litter of kittens with big balls of yarn. A California king bed stretched along the wall. In the next room was the grand marble master bathroom, completed with a jetted bathtub and steam shower, a toilet with a heated toilet seat, and a closet full of beautiful clothing, such as parachute pants, mini skirts, off-the-shoulder shirts, leg warmers, hair scrunchies, and fishnet stockings in exactly her size. This is your dream house, isn't it, Holly? <laughs> Maybe. So many elements. So many. <laughs> including the clothes. Including yes, the wardrobe. including the parachute <laughs> pants. Exactly. Ted watched her take it all in. And then he snapped his fingers and a song with an upbeat tempo, a lot of trumpet, and congas started to play. Lights descended from the ceiling and bathed them in neon fluorescence. Gloria couldn't control herself any longer. She started to dance. How did you know I love to dance? Gloria yelled over the music. Lucky guess, said Ted. Gloria continued to dance and twirl and shimmy her shoulders. After carefully considering Ted's proposal for all of two minutes, Gloria accepted the offer. Deal, she said and shook Ted's hand. My sisters are going to be so jealous, she giggled sisters yeah asked Ted yeah I have two younger sisters really said Ted thoughtfully are your sisters as cute as you yes they're super hot Gloria confirmed <laughs> excellent Ted said creepily Ted and Gloria decided to stay in separate bedrooms as they were not properly wed yet and <laughs> no they shagged straight away oh. <laughs> on the shagged carpet on the crack, shag carpet crack. <laughs> the next day Ted pulled Gloria aside and said that he needed to go into town to run some errands he still wanted to marry her but he needed to do one more thing before he could fully commit to her he placed an egg in her hand and looked deeply into her eyes it's very important to me to know that I can trust you, Gloria, Ted said. We are going to share our lives together. And if we are going to do that, I have to know that I can trust you implicitly to do as I ask. Anything. Good, said Ted. You're going to take this egg and protect it. Make sure nothing bad happens to it. Do you understand? Oh, yes. Then Ted took Gloria's hand and led her to a small room under the stairs. You see this door, he asked her. Gloria shook her head yes. This is the key to that door, said Ted, placing the key into Gloria's hand. Don't ever, ever open it. If you do, then I know I can never trust you, and I will be forced to end your life. Do you understand? Gloria's eyes widened. If I go in there, you will kill me? She asked. That's right, said Ted. Agreed? Gloria was puzzled by Ted's request. She weighed her options. She could have everything she ever wanted and live in the lap of luxury if she took care of his egg and didn't go into that one room. 
She decided even though it was a strange request, she could pull it off. Agreed, she said. Very well, said Ted. He packed up his car, gave Gloria a kiss on the cheek, and got into the driver's seat. Don't forget to protect that egg, he said. Oh, don't worry. It'll be fine. And with that, Ted drove away, and Gloria returned to the cabin. Once inside, Gloria put the egg in her pocket and started wandering aimlessly around the house. She played music, danced the conga, ate some food. She watched the kittens while they slept. But she was really, really bored. Even though she tried to ignore it, her eyes kept wandering to that door beneath the stairs. What could be possibly hiding in there, she thought. And what is the deal with this egg? She removed the egg from her pocket and inspected it closely. Nothing but a standard egg, really. So weird. She then decided that whatever Ted was hiding from her was not that big of a deal. She needed to see what was in that room. He will never know, she said. And with that, she slipped the key into the lock and opened the door. The door swung open on squeaky hinges. It was pitch black inside the room, but a pungent smell drifted from it and slammed Gloria right in the nostrils. She immediately flung her arm to her face to block the scent. Oh my God, what is that smell? She exclaimed. She felt along the wall for a light switch. Finally, she found it and switched it on. A very dim light flickered to life. Inside the room was a basin, a wooden workbench, and a chair. As Gloria stepped into the room, she looked up at the ceiling. It seemed to be covered with a red, thick paint that dripped down the walls and onto the floor. The smell was intense. The egg sat cozily in her hand. As she took a few steps inside, she noticed something in the corner. As her eyes adjusted to the dim light, she saw that it was a human torso. What the hell? She exclaimed and backed swiftly up into the basin. As she stared at the torso in horror, something else caught her eye. It was a human hand lying beside her in the basin. She slowly turned and saw multiple human arms and legs stacked atop each other in the basin, dried blood on each of the stumps while pools of blood gathered in the sink below them. Gloria screamed. Ah! <laughs> she dropped the egg and grabbed a bucket next to the sink and began to vomit into it. She hurled up all the food she had in her stomach and closed her eyes, hoping the sight she had just seen was not forever burned into her memory. Oh, my God, she exclaimed. She turned her head up and saw an axe protruding out of the wooden top of the workbench. A series of fingers lay next to it. She stood up and ran from the room, slamming the door behind her and fumbling with the key. Finally, she locked the door and ran into the bathroom, where she stripped off her clothes and turned on a hot, steaming shower. Gloria scrubbed her skin until it was raw, for fear that the blood had somehow stained her. Finally, after she had washed herself and calmed her breathing, she dressed and sat on the couch trying to figure out what she was going to do. That's when she heard Ted's car pull up in the driveway. She began to panic, but she knew that she had to play it cool so that he would have no idea that she had gone into the room underneath the stairs. She had to find a way to sneak back home and get away from this maniac. Hello, dear, Ted said as he entered the home. He carried a bouquet of flowers, which he handed over to Gloria. I missed you today, he said. Gloria smiled more out of fear than anything else and accepted the flowers from Ted. Thank you. They're beautiful, she said. Ted put the rest of his belongings on the counter. Well, how did you do today, he asked. Oh, fine, said Gloria. I just hung out. Didn't do much. Ted could sense that Gloria seemed off 
And he said suspiciously, did you go into that room under the stairs? Oh, God, no, <laughs> screamed Gloria. Then realizing how deranged she sounded, she softened her voice. Oh, of course not, dear. I promised I wouldn't. Huh, said Ted. Hmm, okay. And what of the egg? Gloria's heart stopped. The egg? She said. Yes, where is it? Ted asked. Gloria turned white. She started to panic. Well, um, I... Um, let me see. It must be around here somewhere. She knew that she had dropped the egg in the forbidden room. And worse than that, she knew that Ted knew she was lying. They locked eyes. Bitch, he yelled. He grabbed her by the wrist and dragged her to the forbidden door. Gloria screamed <laughs> and tried to fight him. But alas, she could not get away. Ted opened the door and threw her inside. Gloria screamed at him. You psycho! Let me go! Ted moved over to the basin and looked inside. With a smirk on his face, he pulled out the egg, which was still intact but covered in blood. I knew I couldn't trust you, he said, and threw the egg against the wall, splattering it. And I told you what would happen if I found out you betrayed me. No! But it was too late. Ted picked her up and slammed her down on the workbench. He yanked up his axe and brought it down hard on the back of her neck. Her head fell to the floor as her blood splattered all over the workbench, walls, ceiling, and Ted himself. Wow. The Grimms really put themselves out for this, <laughs> they sure this did. quite visual story. Ted wiped the blood dripping from his brow. That takes care of that, he said. And with that, he continued to chop off the rest of Gloria's limbs. He shucked her arms and legs into the basin along with the others, and then he threw her torso and head into the corner. When he was done with his work, he shut the door and locked it behind him and then retired to his room to sleep. The next day, Ted awoke and felt rejuvenated and refreshed. Even though murdering Gloria was exhausting work, he was ready to go out and find the next possible Mrs. Bundy. But something that Gloria had said to him kept rolling around in his head. My two sisters, she had said. Sisters, sisters Ted smirked. Sisters, sisters, so he returned to Gloria's house and knocked on the door. The door opened and another beautiful girl appeared. Hello, said Ted. I'm uh, collecting money for charity and thought perhaps I could ask you for a small donation to help those in need in fairy tale land. Really? Like who? Once again, Ted flashed his megawatt smile at her. Well, he began. For starters, there's this old woman who lives in a shoe. She has all those kids to feed. Plus, there are the three little pigs that need money to rebuild their homes after the big bad wolf destroyed them. Yes, that's true, said the girl, batting her eyelashes at him. Hmm. Let me get my purse. Ted smiled, and the girl turned and disappeared into the home. A few minutes later, she returned, checkbook in hand. Now, who do I make the check out to? She asked. Fairy tale misfortunes. It's a nonprofit, <laughs> Ted said quickly. The girl wrote out the check and handed it to Ted. Say, I need to write you a receipt, you know, so you can write this off on your taxes. Oh, yes, that would be lovely. Will you come with me to my car? It's where I keep all of my receipt paperwork. I'll quickly write it out and hand it to you. The girl agreed, and they headed to the street where Ted's light yellow VW bug was parked. He once again popped open his trunk and pulled out a ledger of blank receipts. What is your name? He asked her. Chaka Khan. <laughs> Chaka Khan. Oh. <laughs> Here we go. Chaka Khan. It's my chakras. <laughs> it's your Chaka Khan. Chaka Khan. She replied. That's a pretty name, he said. She smiled at him. She hadn't noticed a large woven basket with a lid attached just behind her. As Shaka Khan looked up to lock eyes with Ted, his smile turned to stone. He grabbed her wrist and pulled her close to him. Then he revealed a sharp syringe in his hand and pressed the needle into her arm. Ouch! She screamed. 
He pushed the purplish liquid through the syringe and into her arm. She fainted straight away and into his arms. He quickly slipped her into the basket and tied down the latch. Once again, he headed deep into the woods to his cabin. And once again, Ted carried the basket inside and dumped his female captive onto the floor. Shaka Khan, I want you to be my wife, and I can offer you everything that I have. Everything you see is yours. Will you accept, said Ted. Shaka Khan looked around the home, and just like her sister before, she was impressed. Well, I'm not sure, Ted. You you see my sister, Gloria? Um, She's been missing for some time. I, I really should be home to help with the search. Tell you what, said Ted craftily. If you agree to be my wife, I will not only help you look for your sister, but I bet I can solve her disappearance. Shaka Khan lit up. Really, Ted? You would do that? Ted nodded in agreement. Wow, Ted, I feel for you. I, I think I love you, said Shaka Khan. And with that, Shaka Khan accepted Ted's proposal. The next day, Ted tells Shaka Khan that he needs to go into town to get some things. Shaka Khan, let me tell you what I want to do. I want to love you, want to hug you, want to squeeze you too. But I need to know that I can trust you, he said. I've been betrayed before, so it's some of the baggage I need to work through. Baby, baby, when I look at you, I get a warm feeling inside. There's something about the things you do that keeps me satisfied. What do you want me to do to prove my love to you? Ted handed her the egg and the key to the forbidden room and once again gave her explicit instructions to do as he asked, to take care of the egg and not enter the room for fear of her own life. Chaka Khan agreed and Ted departed for town. Chaka Khan wandered around the cabin, bored out of her mind. Believing that Ted's instructions were really quite strange, she too decided that she needed to see what was in the room under the stairs. With egg in hand, she opened the door and turned on the light. Once again, the dark secrets of the room sprang forth. Shaka Khan was horrified, especially when she laid eyes on her sister's decapitated head. She dropped the egg in shock. Oh my God! Screamed Shaka Khan. She bolted from the room, but just before she slammed the door, she saw the egg lying on the floor in the middle of a bloody puddle. She grabbed the egg, slammed the door, and locked the room back up. She started to panic. What a complete psycho, she screamed. That's when she noticed the egg. It was covered in blood. Oh, no, 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 she said, rushing the egg to the sink. She started to furiously scrub the egg to get the blood off of it. She was successful at getting the blood off, but just as the egg would start to dry, the blood would return as if she never washed it off at all. Oh, shit, cried Shaka Khan. Just then she heard the front door open and Ted stepped inside. Hello, Shaka Khan, he said. Hello, Ted, she said fearfully. The tension in the room was thick. Ted could tell Shaka Khan was scared and clearly had disobeyed his orders. He glared down at her hand, which held the blood-stained egg. Shaka Khan dropped the egg in the sink and ran, with Ted hot on her heels. He caught her and dragged her back to the forbidden room, just as he had with her sister. Once again, he put her on the chopping block and chopped her head off onto the floor. Women, he muttered, splattered in Shaka Khan's blood. He dismembered Shaka Khan and put her limbs into the sink and threw her torso and head into the corner next to her sisters. Once again, he closed and locked the door and went upstairs to sleep. The next morning, Ted was once again excited to go out and meet himself a new lady. He remembered that Gloria and Shaka Khan had one more sister at home, so away he went. He knocked on the door and it opened. 
A smoky-eyed, spiky-haired girl answered wearing a tank top, miniskirt, chain-linked belt, and combat boots. Hello, said Ted. I've seemed to have lost my dog, and I was wondering if you wouldn't mind helping me look for it. The girl eyed him suspiciously. How did you lose your dog? She asked. <laughs> I like that voice. <laughs> I don't know. I just opened my car and he took off, said Ted. Was he running with the shadows of the night? The girl asked. Huh? said Ted. I don't even know what that means. The girl rolled her eyes. She stepped outside and closed the door behind her. The two started looking through the bushes for Ted's quote-unquote dog. As they got closer to his car, Ted popped open the trunk. He opened the lid to his basket and he pulled out a syringe. He then approached the last sister from behind. Just as he was about to grab her arm and inject her with a purple fluid, she turned around and stared at him, hard. She glanced at his hand and saw the syringe. Uh, what are you doing? What's it look like I'm doing? She smirked at him. Hit me with your best shot, she said. Ted is taken aback by her ballsy confidence. Huh? You were planning on injecting me with that purple fluid, right? Why? Ted isn't sure what to do. I want to take you to my house, he finally stammers. You don't need a syringe for that, she says. She moves past him and gets into the passenger side of the bug. Ted cannot believe the balls on this girl. He closes his trunk and gets into the driver's side and starts up the engine. The two drive off to Ted's cabin in the woods. When they approach, the girl turns to Ted. So what exactly is it that you want to show me? She says directly. Ted is intimidated. Um, well, just my stuff, he says. Ted parks the car and the two get out and go inside. The girl walks around the house and inspects everything in great detail, looking in closets under the couches and behind heavy furniture. What are you doing, asked Ted. Yeah, I've heard some creepy guy has been seen at my house over the last few days, and now my sisters are missing. You happen to know anything about that? Of course not, said Ted. How would I? The girl just smiles at him. So I'm here. Now what? She says. Well, now I'd like to know if you would consider marrying me, says Ted. The girl laughs out loud. Ha! Are you serious? She says. Ted nods his head yes. No way, man. Love is a battlefield. Besides, how do I know you aren't some psycho that has taken and murdered my sisters? You don't know, I suppose, said Ted. But if you promise to stay and be my wife, I will give you everything that I have, everything you see here. Hmm. What's the catch? You have to care for this egg and never go into that room over there, or I know I won't be able to trust you, and I'll have to take your life, says Ted. The girl looks at him aghast. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Ted shakes his head no. She puts her hands on her hips and looks around the place. She has a nagging suspicion that this is where her two sisters ended up, and she wants to find out what happened to them. She knows this guy has something to do with it. Fine. Give me the egg and the key. Ted does as he is told. Now get the fuck out. She says. <laughs> Ted leaves the cabin, gets into his car, and drives into town. The girl takes the egg, opens the fridge, and sticks the egg inside. Then she goes straight to the forbidden room and turns the key. Inside, she finds the wall dripping with blood, the axe in the limbs, and the sink in the torso, and heads in the corner. That motherfucker! <laughs> she says. <laughs> she sees the heads of her two sisters and pulls them out in the, of the corner. God damn it! Then she comes up with an idea. She lays her sister's heads on the ground. 
then places their corresponding torsos just below their heads. Then she goes through the sink and sorts out her sister's arms and legs from that of the other victims in the sink. She lays them next to their torsos, careful to match up the right leg and right arm to the right side of the body and the left leg and arm to the left side of the body. When she is finished, she stands back to inspect her work. Hey, this is a really messed up story, I Holly. Know, I know. This is all grim. <clears throat> Suddenly, the bodies on the floor begin to tremble and shake. The arms and legs start to roll around on the floor, and after a while, they move towards their corresponding torsos and reattach themselves. Then the heads also reattach themselves. After a few moments, both Gloria Estefan and Shaka Khan blink their eyes. They sit up and stare at each other. Oh my god! Says Shaka Khan. Can you believe that asshole? Says Gloria Estefan. That's so fucking trippy. Said their sister. They both looked up and see their youngest sister, Pat Benatar, standing in front of them. Oh my god, thank you so much, Pat. Don't worry about it. She says. We're young. Heartache to heartache. We stand. Gloria and Shaka Khan nod their heads in unison. What do we do now? Asked Gloria. Oh, I have a plan, says Pat, and pulls her sister close to her to tell them what they are going to do. A few hours later, Ted returns from town. Pat Benatar is sitting on the couch flipping through a magazine. The door under the stairs is closed and locked. He glances over at her. She appears to be completely indifferent to his arrival. Hello, he says, nodding to her. Hello, Pat replied in a bored tone. How did things go? He asked. What do you mean? Asked Pat. Did you do as I asked, said Ted? Did you stay out of the room under the stairs? Does it look like I fucking went into that room? Says Pat. No, it doesn't, agreed Ted. You're a paranoid freak. Where is the egg? Pat rolls her eyes. She throws her magazine on the coffee table, gets up from the couch, and moves into the kitchen. She opens up the refrigerator door and pulls out the egg that Ted had given her. She places it in his hand. Happy? She asked. Ted took the egg and inspected it carefully. Indeed, it was the egg he had given to her earlier that day, and indeed it was just as perfect and clean as when he had left. Pat had obeyed him. The clean and intact egg was proof she did not go into the forbidden room. Oh my God, said Ted. Do you know what this means? Pat just scowled at him and shrugged her shoulders. It means you're the one. You are meant to be my wife. Ted threw his arms around Pat, beaming with joy, while Pat sneered and tried to push him away. I cannot wait to marry you and give you everything you ever wanted, he exclaimed. Pat smiled a fake smile at Ted. Great. If I'm to be your wife, then I will begin by giving you my first wish. Anything, my love. I want you to fill this chest up with gold, silver, and jewels and take it to my parents as an offering to ask for my hand in marriage, she said. Ted blinked for a minute or two and then said, But of course, that's an excellent idea. Next, I want you to strap the chest to your back and walk through the woods and back to town to give them the chest, said Pat. My love, that will be extremely difficult for me to do. I'm not sure I can do such a task, answered Ted. Do you want to marry me or not? I do, I do. Then do it. Ted sighed and knew if he was going to impress his new bride, he would have to do the task she asked of him. So he took the heavy chest and filled it with gold, silver, and jewels to bring to Pat's parents. He then got out some heavy straps to latch the chest to his back. He hoisted the trunk onto his back and secured the straps. What are you doing? asked Pat. I'm doing what you asked, my love, said Ted. You are not going to my parents' house to ask for my hand in marriage dressed like that, said Pat. 
What's wrong with how I'm dressed? Asked Ted. Get upstairs right now, take a shower, put on some nicer clothes. Ted looked helpless, but knew that if he was going to win Pat to be his wife, he had to do what she asked. So he unhooked the straps from his back and let down the heavy chest. He went upstairs and got into the shower. When he was gone, Pat opened a closet door in which her sisters hid. Gloria, Stefan, and Shaka Khan quietly snuck out of the closet. The three of them opened the chest and removed all of the gold, silver, and jewels. Then Gloria, Stefan, and Shaka Khan climbed into the chest, and Pat placed the gold, silver, and jewels on top of them and secured the lid. A few minutes later, Ted came back down the stairs dressed in a tux. Pat smirked at him. Much better. Anything for you, my love, said Ted. He then strapped the chest to his back and started towards the front door. Now, I'm going to be watching you from the upstairs window. You better not stop to rest. You're to go straight to my parents' home. Do you understand? Yes, my dear, said Ted. Ted left the house with the chest strapped to his back. As he moved through the woods, he realized he was not in the best shape and that the trunk was very heavy. This task that his bride demanded of him was more than he could handle. He decided he could stop and rest for just a moment. He found a tree log and sat down upon it, wiping the sweat from his brow. When he stopped moving, Gloria disguised her voice so she sounded just like Pat Benatar. I'm looking through the window. I see that you're resting. Get your ass up and get the trunk to my folks. Now! And with that, Ted jumped to his feet and continued to trudge through the woods. He kept going, heart racing, breath heavy, legs weak. He finally arrived at the home of Pat's parents and nearly collapsed at the doorstep. When he rang the bell, Pat's parents appeared. Who are you? asked the couple. Ted lay on their front steps panting. I'm, he breathed heavy. My name is... Sir, you are exhausted. Please do come in, they said. So Ted removed the chest from his back and went inside. He settled onto the couch, and Pat's parents brought him some water, which he drank in one long gulp. <sighs> My name is Ted, he finally said. Ted Bundy, and I'm here to ask for your daughter's hand in marriage. Which daughter are you referring? We have three of them. However, all of them are missing at the moment, said the mother. Pat, replied Ted, Pat Benatar. You see, I bought an entire chest of gold, silver, and jewels to offer you for her hand in marriage, he exclaimed. You know where Pat is? asked Pat's father. Yes, she is at my home in the woods, said Ted. And she's agreed to marry you, said Pat's father skeptically. Yes, said Ted. Pat's parents exchanged a glance that showed Ted they did not believe him. Here, he said nervously, let me give you your gift. And with that, Ted went to the front steps and dragged the trunk inside. He flung open the lid, but it was empty. There was nothing inside the trunk. What the hell, he said. Pat's parents looked at him like he was a crazy person. Thank you for your time, Mr. Bundy, but we are really busy. We're trying to find our daughters who all seem to be missing. Please take your chest and leave. But it was right here, I swear, said Ted. Pat's parents just shook their heads and pointed to the door. Ted closed the lid to the chest and drug it behind him as he left. Whatever happened to the heavy gold, silver, and jewels, he did not know. But he did know he had to return to Pat and explain what happened. Would she still want to marry him? Meanwhile, Pat, back at Ted's cabin, went back into the forbidden room and pulled out one of the bloody torsos and found a mannequin head and attached it to the top. She dressed it in a wig and clothes that are similar to what she would wear and placed them in the upstairs window. 
She then found a large jug of honey in the kitchen and poured it all over her body. She cut open the feather bed in the master bedroom and rolled herself in the feathers. She looked just like a tall bird. Then she made her escape. She started walking through the woods when she came across a couple of other serial killers, Freddy Krueger and Jason from Camp Crystal Lake. They were friends of Ted's and had heard that Ted was intending to marry. They had gifts for the new couple that they were in the process of bringing to Ted's home. They saw her and said, Bitch. Oh, Fitcher's bird, comest thou here? Pat replied, I come from Bundy's house, quite near. Then they asked, And what may the young bride be doing? Pat replied, From cellar to garret, she swept all clean. And now from the window, she's peeping, I ween. This answer satisfied Jason and Freddie, and they continued on their way to the Bundy home. A little while later, Pat saw that Ted was moving through the woods towards her. He saw her and said, Oh, Fitcher's bird, comest thou here? Pat replied, I come from your house, quite near. Then Ted asked, And what may my young bride be doing? Pat replied, From cellar to garret, she swept all clean, and now from the window, she's peeping, I ween. Ted smiled, thinking of his bride waiting for him in the window. He thanked the bird and continued on his way. When he approached the home, he saw, quote-unquote, her sitting up in the upstairs window watching for him. He waved to her, then dropped the empty chest by the door and entered the home. Inside, he found Jason and Freddie, who had brought him gifts to share with his new bride. As Ted was entertaining his guests, Pat Benatar had made it to her house, where she found her sisters and parents had been reunited. You see, when Ted had gone inside to speak to Pat's parents, her sisters had jumped out of the chest along with the jewels, gold and silver, and hid until he left. After Ted left, they told their parents everything that had happened and gave them the bounty. Their parents were furious and called all of their sons to them. Their sons, known as Mr. T, MacGyver, and the Fall Guy, were equally as pissed. They decided this Ted Bundy guy had to go. Just as they finished hatching their plan, Pat arrived home covered in feathers. She quickly explained she was not a bird, but she really was Pat Benatar in disguise. She told her brothers that Ted was at his home at that very moment. The brothers loaded up their weapons and headed to Ted's home. Pat quickly removed her feathers, and she and her sisters, Shaka Khan and Gloria Stefan, followed their brothers through the woods so they could witness Ted's fate. Mr. T, MacGyver, and the Fall Guy surrounded the house and nailed all the doors and windows shut. The sisters could see Ted inside the living room, talking with Jason and Freddy. They were all laughing and having a good time. Pat seized at Ted. She whispered, You're a real tough cookie with a long history of breaking little hearts like the one in me. That's okay. Let's see how you do it. Put up your dukes. Let's get down to it. Nice. <laughs> then MacGyver placed a stick of bubble gum to the end of a wire and attached it to the side of the house. He waved his hands frantically, indicating to everyone to run. Mr. T, MacGyver, and the Fall Guy, as well as Gloria Stefan, Chaka Khan, and Pat Benatar, ran into the woods. A few seconds later, the cabin exploded. As the cabin burned, Pat Benatar walked out of the woods to watch it. That is when she saw Ted. He was on fire and looked at her from the flames. They locked eyes and Pat smiled. Ted screamed as his eyeballs exploded and his skin melted off his body. A pity the fool, said Mr. T. I do too, said Pat Benatar. This was a do-or-die situation. We were invincible. And with that, high fives were had all around. 
Pat Benatar, Shaka Khan, and Gloria Stefan all went on to have very successful careers in music. Gloria Estefan. <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> Gloria Estefan. Gloria Estefan. All, okay. Pat Gloria ben Estefan. Okay. Pat Benatar, Shaka Khan, and Gloria Estefan. Estefan. Estefan <laughs> all went on to have very successful careers in music. Well, Mr. T joined a renegade group called the A-Team. The fall guy got into the movie business, and MacGyver went to college to study really obscure science facts. In short, they all lived very happy lives. And a pity to fools. The end. <laughs> that was so fun. <laughs> and that is the Fitcher's Bird as told through the eyes of moi. So the actual story is the wizard, he, he goes into town, he abducts girls, he brings them back to his house, he tries to convince them to be his bride, tells yeah. them, here's an egg, don't go into that room. Of course they do, and there's bloody parts, body parts everywhere, well, murders them. Yeah. I, th I thought the whole symbology of the egg was really freaky. Yeah. You know. Kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I liked that story. Very yeah. eerie. And gory and dark. Mm -hmm. And I was, you know. Cause I couldn't imagine. Telling I, that to a child. Right before bed. <laughs> right. Sweet dreams, little Johnny. <laughs> Don't go into that room. I told you not to. <laughs> I do want to point out one thing, though. Yes. The serial killers, Jason and Freddy. I did not include Michael Myers because Michael Myers is my favorite serial killer, and I didn't want him to die at the end, so I left him out. He'll probably show up in a different story. Excuse me, miss. I was wondering if you could help me. You see, I have a heavy chest that I need help lifting, and my arm, the way it is, I certainly cannot do it myself. Well, I have a heavy chest. <laughs> that is not in the story. Oh, I'm sorry. Go that ahead. is not in the story. Cut, cut that, Josh. Cut it. <laughs> Gloria Estefan. Estefan. What? Gloria Estefan. Do you remember her? Yeah. From my name, Estefan. I thought it was Estefan. Okay, well, go okay, ahead. Go we're going to do two versions. Okay, do Josh, two. Josh, you pick the right one. <laughs> Sorry. All right. I thought it was Estevan, oh. but go ahead. Okay, I'm going to do it. Okay. You probably are right. It's your story. I don't know, but I've okay. always thought her name was Estevan, but go ahead. That's what I said. I thought you said Estefan. Oh, well, I don't know. Go ahead. Let's and do both. Okay. <laughs> Gloria. Gloria Estevan. No? Yeah, that's, we'll go with that. That sounds good. As the flames die down, do remain undaunted. Though all hitchhikers are ghosts, and all dolls are definitely haunted. Hey guys, be sure to follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at Fireside Phantoms. If you have a spooky story you would like to share with us, send it to firesidephantoms at gmail.com, and you may hear it on a future episode. <laughs>